You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here at downtown Startwell. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Great customer service, home life, auto, whatever you're in the need for in the insurance world. Go see our friends at Farm Bureau. All right, Charlie, uh, show today, we're going to talk to Robert St. John, going to talk to Tanner Allen, and a couple of guys. We got one guy's a big chef who can cook a lot of food. And then uh, a guy who was very instrumental on our national championship run last year, Tanner Allen. Yeah, a couple of good guys, kind of from different angles, different different things going on, right? Baseball is obviously central to what's going on with us right now. But, you know, the restaurant business is kind of going through a, a strange time right now. Prices are up. Supplies are hard to get. Staffing is hard to get. I'll be interested to talk to Robert St. John about what – he's doing and then also what he's doing in terms of trying to raise money you know you don't think about having a hunger problem in the state of mississippi but there is one and robert st john and others on the front line are trying to address that i guess we need to talk a little bit before we get into interviews about tuesday night we played over at hoover at the hoover met and lost eight to six to samford and Sanford now 500 on the season. And, Charlie, it kind of goes back to, you know, what we've seen and what we've talked about all season long. You can only say it so many times. But, once again, early in the game, walk's a big issue. When you're walking, guys, and we only had, the, you know, the, the four walks early in the game, but only the four walks. But we had some walks early in that game, and what does that do? It turns solo home runs into three-run home runs and grand slams. And Sanford hit two grand slams in the first three innings. One off Mikey Tepper in the first inning, and then Jackson Fristo in the third. We were able to come back and get it back to an eight to six game, but Sanford wins it, and so now it's almost the situation of I don't know if you, what what you can do in the next two weeks, but you better find a way to get to Hoover, and you better go like Saturday Sunday over at Hoover because that's where you are right now. Oh, look, you you're talking about like to get in a tournament oh yeah I'm, I'm just yeah i mean you got to do a lot oh you got to like win and just don't quit winning at this point right i mean there's yeah there aren't any backdoor options that i see right now and just candidly the big thing you hope is that you just find a way to get up off the mat and play for a little pride right now i perhaps i'm wrong but i've just written hoover out of my mind i don't even really see that as much of a likelihood at this point hoover yeah. or the ncaa no i'm saying hoover wow Okay. I well, mean, look, you're going to have to win some more games between here and there, right? You've got two top ten teams that you're about to play. Yeah, and so how many wins can you realistically expect to have coming in? I know. I know. One, two. See, I know. I'm trying to be glass half full, but I can't. It's hard to be that way. I mean, it's got to, we got a hole in the bottom of the cup right now. All right, uh, 
once again, thanks to our great friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus with four locations, three in the state of Mississippi. Of course, between Startwell and Columbus, the original location down in Hickory, Mississippi, Summit, Mississippi, and then down in Alexandria, Louisiana. They're about to add a few more stores in the in the very near future as well. And it's just a growing brand right now. It started out just with skitters and, and barco equipment, then it morphed into Saney equipment for your construction people, dirt construction, and now Massey Ferguson tractors and implements. And so it's just a growing company at Tracks Plus. It means more because they are a small company. The customer service means a lot to them, and each sale means a lot to them. And our, our good friends at Tracks Plus being a part of our out-of-left-field show here on this Thursday. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Robert St. John, a chef, started this college career at Mississippi State, and then uh, finished up at Southern Miss. He's been in the Hattiesburg area for a long time now, a good friend of ours, good friend of the show, and we'll talk about the restaurant world and uh, what he's doing right now with a nonprofit. And then uh, we'll also talk to Tanner Allen later in the show as well. Tanner Allen playing with the Beloit Sky Carp in Beloit, Wisconsin. Charlie, if there's one thing I know about Tanner Allen and the one thing I know about Wisconsin, there's some really good fishing in Wisconsin. I bet Tanner Allen has found every fishing hole or he's found a place to hunt in uh, in wisconsin i bet he's got a lead on some ideas at least no doubt all right when we come back we'll talk to robert st john on the other side of the break you're listening to out of left field presented by farm bureau And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. Time now for our guest line segment, brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing, located right here in the state of Mississippi. They make it right here in Florence, Mississippi. And you just can't beat the, the flavor of Country Pleasing Sausage. You can find it all across the southeast, now into the Midwest. Now there's a continuing growing brand at Country Meat Packers and Country Pleasing Sausage. And they're expanding the butcher shop down in Florence right now on Highway 49. And so yeah, go by, stack up, get ready for a big weekend, and uh, put, a lot of stuff, put a lot of that Country Pleasing on the grill. And this conversation brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing. And so let's talk to Robert St. John. And, Charlie, Robert St. John in the state of Mississippi, you know, a, a lot of people, most people are familiar with Robert St. John and what he's done as a chef and owning all the restaurants in the Hattiesburg area and now in the travel. He writes articles that appear in newspapers throughout the the, uh, the state of Mississippi. And, man, you talk about just a great ambassador for the state of Mississippi. Robert St. John is that. Oh, he absolutely is. And one of the things I really like that he does is all his work with this nonprofit extra table. Robert raises a ton of money, helps donate a ton of food. You don't think about having a hunger problem in Mississippi, but Robert will be the first to tell you there is one, and they're on the front lines of, of trying to help address it. And so let's talk to our good friend, chef, restauranteur, travel agent. He does it all. <laughs> and uh, he writes, Robert St. John, our good friend. And Robert, how you doing, man? Hey, Bart. Hey, Charlie. How you guys today? Oh, we're doing great. Doing great. <laughs> trying to uh, just trying to carry Charlie's bags is all I try to do every day. Uh, 
Aren't we all? Yeah, Aren't we all? Absolutely. I just want to tell you all, I am a huge fan of the show. I don't miss episodes. I just spent about eight weeks uh, working over uh, in Spain and Italy, and uh, and I didn't miss uh, a podcast. So it wasn't uh, uh, not great times to be uh, listening about baseball right now, but I'm glad you two guys are the ones uh, kind of taking us through this. Uh, y'all are very level headed, and uh, we got some you know intelligent uh, fans uh, online, and and I, and I like listening to y'all. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll get you that five bucks uh, here pretty quick for that one. <laughs> hey, hey, so, it was 10. <laughs> so, uh, so Robert, you've you're involved in all kinds of things. Um, just to kind of introduce you to the, those who don't know, man, I know you when I go through Hattiesburg, Ed's Burger Joint. I know we've got the Mexican place, the new development, Fondren. So you've been big in the restaurant business. Um, I guess first of all, what all do you have going on in the restaurant business right now? So uh, in Hattiesburg, we have uh, Crescent City Grill, uh, El Rio, the Tex-Mex place you mentioned, Mahogany Bar, uh, Tabella, which is our Italian concept, uh, the Midtowner, which is breakfast and lunch. Uh, we're in the process of opening a bakery here in town, and uh, that's that's the Hattiesburg, at least, restaurants. Uh, in Jackson, uh, we've, I've been part of this project in Fondren for about five years, so we just opened... A few months ago, uh, Highball Lanes, uh, which is a ten-lane bowling alley, and a re- it's really a restaurant uh, with a bowling alley in it instead of a bowling alley with a restaurant. But it has a bar, and we have a tiki bar called the Pearl. There, Charlie's been in there, and um, and then we reopened uh, the Capri Theater, the historic Capri Theater that was built in 1939. Um, when uh, the partners approached me to be a part of this project. Uh, they were looking into doing uh, a live music venue there, and I said, "Well, it's not really something I'm interested in, but I'm really interested in uh, reopening this movie theater." Jackson, Mississippi, the state capital, didn't have a movie screen, and so we've gotten a huge response from that. And it's been—I am a huge. My, if you <clears throat> look at any bio of mine, I think it's on my Twitter, or my Instagram, whatever. It's—I mean—I'm a lover of movies, music, and football. And not necessarily in that order, depending on what time of the year it is. And and so movies are a huge part of uh, me. I never never dreamed I'd own a movie theater, but uh, we do. And we've got a couple of things in the works. We've been working on an Italian uh, concept up in the Jackson metropolitan area somewhere, which possibly should be open uh, sometime this year. So we got a lot, a lot of irons in the fire there with uh, with just restaurants, but. You know, we we do other stuff too. So. Yeah, Charlie and I were talking about it a couple of weeks ago about the memories that we had coming to school here at State and going to the Perry Cafeteria and and I was thinking about Miss Rosalind who used to make uh, you know the the quesadillas and she make the eggs any way you wanted. And so when you came to Mississippi State in 1979, had you right. already made the decision that you wanted to be a chef or was it you know going into the Perry Cafeteria and saying you know what I. <laughs> I, I can cook something better than this, or I, this is what I want to do. I loved that cafeteria. I was a fan of Obie's uh, from from when my brother my brother started there in '75, and I think Obie's opened maybe a year later. He was bully up there for a couple of years, and I got my first job. I always had to work, and uh, I got my first job in what would be hospitality uh, as a beer tender at Lindley's. 
And at the time, Obie's was out there. So that was really the thing about Lindlew's back then, uh, this would have been maybe 80, 81. All the football players came out on Thursday night out there. And then that's where we went when, when you had to drive to the crossroads. And I, I heard from somebody that if you work there, you get free beer. And so I thought, well, you know, dang, I'm, I'm already going there and I'm spending money. They'll let me work there. They're going to pay me, and then they're going to give me free beer. So it was that's kind of was my first intro into any kind of restaurant bar business. But I didn't really uh, – my major at the time was communications because I had been in radio. I started as a disc jockey when I was 15, worked 40 hours a week all through high school. Didn't really know what I wanted to do when I got out of school or, uh, you know, when I went to college. And so I just majored in, majored in communications because it's what I knew at the time. But it's it's not until uh, I actually flunked out of Mississippi State and, and they decided they no longer needed my services in Starville that I, I moved, back, <laughs> moved back home to Hattiesburg. No, it, it it was actually other than my father passing away, it was the it was the next worst thing that had ever happened to me. And I flunked out of college. I was embarrassed. I came back home to Hattiesburg, tailed up between my legs. All my friends were in maybe their junior year and succeeding. And uh, and uh, I got a job working in a delicatessen from two ladies who were just opening. They had no idea about the restaurant business, which is evident because they hired me as the manager of the delicatessen. <laughs> and it's one of those things, guys, that I'm talking about. It, it may have been the first shift of the first day that it just hit me. It's like, oh, this is it. This is this is not this is what I want to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I just couldn't get enough of it. Everything about it, I loved. And so I started managing the deli during the day. I found a job waiting tables. Uh, Cock of the Walk opened in Hattiesburg back then. I was on the opening crew there waiting tables. And I just couldn't get enough of it. And and so I went back to, to college, got a degree in this stuff, and uh, opened uh, my first restaurant in 1987. But... But it all really kind of started uh, up in Starble, and and I think about that a lot. I'm I'm back for for games and see. I'm a season ticket holder, a long time, and I'm I love it up there, and uh, I love coming back. And and yeah, so it was the cafeteria had. Um, I have fond memories of of that cafeteria. I have a, I have a lot of Mississippi State stories. We'll 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 talk about it when we have more time. With the other, there's a lot a lot of good and a lot of bad. But I'm, I mean, not not bad for up there, but you know. Those were my wilder days. I've settled down. (laughs) You know, Robert, I look around. You go in restaurants now, and you see kind of the signs, please be kind. We're short-staffed, or we have new staff. Um, You see prices, you know, sometimes stickers on the menu. And and I counted, my wife and I were talking three times in the past three weeks. We've been in restaurants in various places where the person serving us says, hey, it's my first day or my second day. Yeah. It seems like a really tough time in the industry right now, and is, are you feeling that, or is everybody feeling that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the toughest time in the history of the restaurant business. I mean, from the time there were just roadside taverns for people on horses. Uh, the toughest time in the restaurant business to ever be in the restaurant business. There are a lot of, a lot of challenges, you know, and, and, you know, not only food, and you're talking about the cost of food, which a lot of, you know, protein and, and chicken and things are sometimes up 30% uh, from where it was two years ago. And, you know, you, you just can't raise, you just can't raise prices uh, indiscriminately. 
you know, people are going to end up going, you know what, I'll just go to the grocery store and, and eat. So there are all these challenges. It's a tough business anyway. And if you don't just love it like I do, I mean, there's nothing I'd, I'd rather do as my primary source of income. I love it. But, um, you know, there, there are so many just in normal times, thousand ways to, to lose money in the restaurant business. You got to, you got to think of them, but it, it's challenging. Labor is, is really, really tough now. It's got, it's lightened up a little bit, uh, from this time a year ago, obviously, but it's, it's a challenge and, uh, you just have to roll with the changes is what we do. We, you know, you, you kind of tweak how you hire, you tweak how you train, you tweak your offerings, you know, you have to, you have to, you, you just can't do business like you could two years ago. Um, you can't hire like you did two years ago. You can't train like you did. And, you know, there's a lot of what, what's not being spoken about a lot these days is uh, there's about to be a huge fertilizer shortage. And I guess the folks up at uh, Mississippi State and the Ag Department would be able to talk more succinctly about that. But I think uh, you know, something like 40, 50 percent of the fertilizer we use comes from Russia. And, uh, you know, there's a huge shortage of that now. And if you think about how that falls through in so many things, you know, not just cotton and soybeans, but, but crops and, you know, everything. I mean, that's down to blue jeans and stuff. So we've got some challenges ahead, but, you know, you got to, you got to get my, my word. And I use it all the time. My club, that was a column I've been writing for 22 years. I've never missed a week. I always ended with the word onward. And then that's it. You just got to, got to keep pushing ever onward and roll with the changes and, and make the best of uh, the situation. I mean, you can't just throw your hands up and you got to, you got to, you got to make it work, do what you can. I was talking to you a few years ago, and you know when you start talking about the the product that you put out in in your restaurants, you talked about the Italian concept in, in the Hattiesburg area and looking at doing something in the Jackson area. And I guess we were talking a few years ago, and you were like, "Hey, I'm I'm making a trip to Italy, and I just want to go into some villages, and I just want to learn from you know from locals there." And I thought that was just so cool. And then you've been it seems like you've been going back over there. What's what's your? I mean, I I hate to ask this question because people ask me all the time. Hey, what's your favorite place to go? And I know yeah. it's Spain and Italy, but if if you were to go for one week and you had one more trip to make, where are you probably going? Oh, I'm going to a little town called Tabernelli Valdapesa, Barbarino, in uh, in Tuscany, the Chianti region of Tuscany is where um, eleven years ago I, I spend uh, maybe almost three months a year and and in that specific place these days working and and leading these tours I do. But um, that is uh, the beauty of that little village is that it is remote. There's zero tour. I mean, unless I'm bringing my people over there, there are no tourists there. And uh, the villa, one of the villas we stay in is at, at the end of a gravel road with 30 miles to the west of nothing but olives and grapes. The restaurants within a just a twenty mile radius, there are fifty excellent restaurants that are just locals only type restaurants. My son, uh, who who was a junior at Mississippi State last semester, um, is living in Florence right now, and he's working in one of those restaurants. He takes the bus every day, which is about a, a I don't know, thirty minute bus ride out of Florence, Italy, into uh, this little town. He works for a friend of mine there. And the food is just real. It's good, and 
you know, uh, he, he's he got a little bit of a wanderlust. He, he was in his third year up there in Starbucks. My daughter finished four years up, up there. But when they were, she was 14, he was 10. Uh, my wife and I hopped on a plane. We The four of us went to Sweden. We bought a Volvo. Yeah, we spent um, six months traveling 72 cities in 17 countries on two continents. Ten weeks we spent in Italy. And my buddy Wyatt Waters flew him over, and we worked on a book. And we covered from the southernmost tip of Sicily to the Alps. And when that book came out, people that had uh, followed my social media or my column or, or his social media, we're, we're doing the promotional thing, going around doing book signings. And people would say, man, I wish you'd take me to that place you wrote about, or I'd love to eat in that restaurant you wrote about, or I'd love to see that place you painted. And and at first you just think it's people, uh, you know, making small talk while you sign their book or whatever. But I kept hearing it, kept hearing it, kept hearing it. And finally, I just called Wyatt up one day. I said, uh, man, I think people want us to take them to Italy. You want to do this? And he said, sure. And so that's how that thing started. And, uh, you know, I figured I'd just do it once. And so made a list of, I mean, within an afternoon, we filled 25 people and, then there was a waiting list, and the waiting list got a waiting list. And then those people said, hey, we did Tuscany. Where are we going next? So we did Venice, Bologna, Milan a few times. Then they said, hey, we're going next. And Rome, Amalfi, Naples. That's why I was in Spain uh, a couple of months ago with a group of 25. And the cool thing about it, Bo Hemphill's parents were with us, by the way, Jim and Pam. Um, the cool thing about that Spain trip is that out of the 25, 22 had traveled with us before. And like 14 or 16, it was their fourth or fifth trip. So um, Wyatt kind of retired from overseas travel uh, right around COVID, but I kept doing it, and um, I love doing it, and uh, I'll continue doing it. So, you know, you never know in your career, I'm sure you guys feel the same way, that you, know, you kind of stay open to opportunity and, and things just kind of happen. Robert, before we let you go, i got to ask you about something else you're doing, and that's Extra Table. Uh, yeah. You guys are putting in a ton of time, a ton of effort, and a lot of money trying to address the hunger problem in Mississippi. Tell us what's going on with Extra Table. Thanks, Charlie. I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. So, so one thing, uh, Mississippi is number one in what the what the uh, government calls food insecurity, and that means out of out of the 2.9 million uh, Mississippians, 670 thousand are food insecure. So like 20% of our state. Um, I was very skeptical when I when I first heard that about 12 years ago. And um, I got a call from a, a local mission pantry and they had run out of food and asked me if I could help. And I said, sure. I figured the quickest, best, easiest way to help would be call my food service rep, put together an order, have a drop ship uh, to that agency. That was in 2009. And I started thinking, well, you know, maybe if there was an easier way for these places to get food, they wouldn't run out of food. But to be honest with you, and, and I'll tell on myself here, I really was skeptical that there was even a hunger problem. And I'm thinking, you know, this is America. Yeah, I can see some Central American third world country or something maybe with the surely people aren't, aren't you know, going hungry and, and leading, you know, these unhealthy lives over here. So I kind of went on a fact-finding mission. And, and my eyes were open quick. I learned quickly that there's a huge problem 
And it's not what I thought, which was, oh, they're getting over on the food stamp program and all that. You hear all these stories. No, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like I grew up with a working mom. So an art teacher raised my brother and me up on an art teacher's salary. So it's it's people like that who are trying to make ends meet that need a little extra help. But out of those 670,000 Mississippians, over 200,000 are kids who eat a school breakfast and a school lunch and don't eat again until the next day. And it's all over the state. It's not just one part of the state. It's in Farsh Lamar County. It's in Lee County. It's in Harrison County. It's all over the state. And and so I came up with this idea based on uh, the premise of what if every business and home had an extra table where they could feed those in need. And it's very simple um, we started with that one, uh, agency and, uh, now we serve, we're statewide. We serve 56 food pantries and, uh, and, uh, soup kitchens. We ship over 30 tons of fresh, healthy food every month. I founded the thing on two basic principles. Number one, a hundred percent of the money we raise for food is going to go to food. We're not going to be one of these, you know, got all these expensive salaries and charities, I mean, and, uh, you know, administrative costs and all that. So 100% of the money we raise for food goes to food. And the beauty of it is, is we purchase below wholesale by the tractor trailer load, and we deliver it free to these agencies. Number two, it's going to be healthy food because Mississippi's number one in food insecurity, but we're also number one in obesity. And, and I had a problem with that. In fact, I was like, well, somebody's eating something somewhere. This doesn't add up. And as I researched and as I traveled around, I learned that those two always go hand in hand. That if you don't have enough money to lead a proper uh, healthy lifestyle, you're basically living out of a convenience store and you're drinking, drinking the cheapest sugar drinks you can and eating just snack food. And and so, you know, that that's what we do. And um uh, we, we approach these agencies, 56, like I said now, and we say, hey, we're extra table. We want to send you food. And if they hadn't heard of us, they're usually pretty skeptical at first. And, well, how much is it going to cost us? And we say, it's not going to cost you anything. We just want, we're going to raise money. We're going to ship you food. And they say, well, do you want our donor list? Nope, don't want your donor list. We just want to ship you food. And so uh, until they get their first order, they're, they're a little skeptical. So on uh, – the last Wednesday of every month, our truck goes out and uh, delivers, really, it's probably even more than over 30 tons of food now to, to agencies all across the state. Because, I mean, that kid who's having a school breakfast and a school lunch and not eating again until the next day, I mean, he, he, he or she's not worried about schoolwork. They're not worried about anything. If you're, if you're hungry, I mean, that's the most basic need. And and uh, so, you know, we're just taking care of that. We run this thing on a shoestring. They actually, it's, it's run by two people. Statewide charities run by two people out of a bar corner of my office, just about two doors down in the same building I'm in right now. We just, it's great. Anybody interested, uh, extratable.org, if you want to help, uh, we're happy to do it. It's the, it's the most effective and efficient nonprofit, uh, I believe, in Mississippi. Hey, Robert. We appreciate you. And first of all, we're proud of what you do and, you know, not just bringing, you know, a lot of great vibes to Mississippi, but what you're doing with this project as well. Appreciate you. Well, hey, I appreciate y'all. Y'all keep up the good work. We we, we love y'all out here. And that's our good friend Robert St. John down in the Hattiesburg area. And, uh, hey, Charlie, we talked about it a minute ago. Man, what a uh, what a great organization that he has started 
with uh, with extra table and what they do throughout the state of Mississippi. And that's kind of what I want to talk to him about. Hey, he's just a cool dude, man. From the travel stuff to the restaurant business, all of his restaurants, are, it's just it's good food and the service is quality service. He's, he's kind of got a niche, does it right. But what he's done now with extra table, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. I want to go to Italy with him. I'd love to go spend some time over there. I've always wanted to go, but I wouldn't know what I was doing. It'd be really cool to go with somebody who, who knows the place. And, by the way, his son, Harrison, uh, I think is actually over in Italy studying. I know he's somewhere in Europe studying right now to be a chef himself. Yeah, and um, I, I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't know really where to start other than reading a bunch of books. Uh, but uh, but going with somebody like him, who knows all that, you know. I'm a, When I go to a city, when I go to travel, I don't like to go to, you know, the places that are on the beaten path. I like the I like that the cool vibe, something that somebody really doesn't know a whole lot about, and he's that guy that can find it for you in Italy. And so you can go to robertstjohn.com, and he's got all that information about his travel, but uh, more importantly about extra table as well. When we come back, we'll talk to a former Bulldog, Tanner Allen, now in the minor leagues right now, playing up in Beloit, Wisconsin, and high A ball. We'll talk to Tanner right on the other side of the break. And, of course, that conversation with Robert St. John brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage, Country Meat Packers down in Florence, Mississippi. Back with Tanner Allen on the other side of the break. This is Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Good conversation with our good friend Robert St. John. And now we talk to Tanner Allen, former Bulldog, played at Mississippi State, and, of course, a a big part of that College World Series run of winning the national championship last year. And this conversation brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly find. And it's right here in the Mississippi Delta over in Itabina, Mississippi. And they service great restaurants throughout the southeast. And one of the restaurants and one of the the chains, the franchises that they service is the Golden Chick out in Texas. If you go to Texas, they're all over the place out in Texas. Almost like a Dollar General, man. They're, They're everywhere in Texas. And, of course, the Golden Chicken. They got great chicken, of course, on the menu. But they also have the fried catfish on the menu as well at the Golden Chick. So all of our good friends out in Texas, when you go to the Golden Chick and you get the catfish, it's coming from right here in the state of Mississippi from our good friends at Heartland Catfish. In this conversation with Tanner Allen, former Bulldog, brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. So let's talk to former Bulldog Tanner Allen. And Tanner right now with a Beloit Sky Carp. The Sky Carp, I, I, I tell you what, that's one of the great things about minor league baseball, Tanner, is you got the, the Lansing Lugnuts, you got the the Sky Carp, you got all these different teams, and it makes it pretty cool. It makes some pretty good hats. Did, did you ever have the minor league hats growing up? I mean, I had a bunch of minor league hats, the Mudcats and things oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was, for me, it was always the Mobile Bay Bears because they were right down the street from my house. I can remember as a kid always going to watch the Bay Bears play at Hank Aaron Stadium. So that was, that was really neat. Then in high school, I got the opportunity to actually play in that stadium. At the time, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So how's the adjustment going? Um, the aluminum bats, wood bats, different kind of pitchers. How, how's the life and the transition to being a, a minor leaguer? 
Uh, it's going good. It's getting there for sure. It's definitely a difference between swinging an aluminum bat and a wood bat, but uh, I've pretty much gotten used to a wood bat. All you got to do is just really shorten your swing up a little bit because if you get a long swing with a wood bat, you're going to be taking a lot of firewood home. So learn that pretty quick, but it's going good. I, I enjoy being able to play baseball every day for a living, so that's always good. So I got to ask you, you talk about shortening the swing up. One of the things it seems to me, just watching guys as they make the transition to the minor league baseball, some people get in their head that they all, all of a sudden have to be power hitters and they try to get long and they try to get launch angle and all that. What's been your approach? Have you tried to be kind of true to who you've been or have you felt a need to start to change your swing and take a different approach at the plate? I feel like I, uh, I'm just going to stick to who I am. I feel like my game will play. Uh, which has always been just gap to gap hitter. I'll hit some home runs here and there and be able to hit with runners in the scoring position and, and try my best not to strike out as much. I think that's my game and that's who I'm going to stick to or what I'm going to stick to. Um, you know, it's funny because I watch everything during the game, before the game, stuff, try to pay attention to stuff that might help me. And things that I notice, especially now in minor league ball, is the guys who hit a lot of line drives and BP hit the ball really good during the game. And the guys who hit a lot of home runs with BP hit the ball high in the air and they strike out a lot of games. So that's just one thing that I've learned. And uh, so for me, I try to say line drive, gap to gap. But wood bat, one thing about it is if you square it up with wood bat, it'll take off. So I'm just worried about hitting it on the barrel every single time for preparation to practice that so to translate in the game. And we were talking to Connor Pilkington a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about the transition from playing in the Southeastern Conference and then going into the minor leagues. And you get into A ball, a lot of times maybe more at low A and instead of the high A, which you're at right now. And you're playing in front of, you know, eight, nine, ten thousand people in college baseball. And then all of a sudden you're not playing in front of as many people. What's the, been the biggest adjustment for you from a, just a game situation of going from big time college baseball to playing in the minor leagues? you got to be self-motivated. I mean, obviously, it's very easy to bring your best game and your best effort in front of, you know, 12,000 people at Duty Noble or, or 25,000 at TD Ameritrade. That's very easy to do. But when you're playing every single day in front of maybe 400 people, to, I mean, we've had some decent crowds to play in front of 2,000. You know, it's funny that all the guys are like, man, this is awesome playing in front of an atmosphere like this. And I don't ever say much, but a little bit they know. I'm like, you, you got no idea what it's like playing in front of 25,000. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's definitely neat to be able to play in front of that many people. But like I said, like you said, that, that those times are over. And uh, mainly just being able to focus on my preparation for the game and be self-motivated to bring it every single day is going to be the difference maker in my career, I believe. You know, we get to keep up with our friend Marcus Timms, who's the hitting coach for the oh, yeah. Marlins. Uh, just absolutely great guy. Do uh, you get a chance to deal with him any during spring training at all? Oh, I have. He, uh, I saw him. I've talked to him multiple times. I love Marcus. So, like, we uh, we get along very well, especially, especially, you know, since him being a big Mississippi State guy, he loves it. Loves me. He talks well about both of you guys. So, he's a great guy. I'm glad he's a part of our organization. Yeah, he's a good dude. So the the process, okay, so many people don't understand the process of when you guys go to spring training and, and work out in spring training and then, you know, 
when do you get your assignments about where do you when, when did you know that you were going to Beloit? I mean, when when does that process take place? And then when so, you get there, I mean, everybody's always talked about the bus rides in the minor leagues. I don't think it's as bad now as it used to be, but just what's what's the process of starting the season and getting to the point say where you are right now, 25 games in a season. You know, you get through spring training and then right at the end of spring training like literally 2 or 3 days before we break camp they'll tell you where you're going and then uh you come up here and the bus rides aren't too really aren't really bad it's just the cold weather is terrible i hate playing in cold weather it's just 35 degrees at game time most of the time here it's had a little warm stretch lately but uh hitting in cold weather versus a guy dominican throwing you know 95 doesn't really have a clue where it's going it's kind of tough but um but the bus rides, I mean, we're in Michigan right now. It's an eight-hour bus ride. It wasn't too terribly bad. But it's a grind, man. I tell all my buddies back home, it's a grind. If you don't love baseball, it's not for you. So, But kind of falling in love with the idea of preparation for the game because that's all there is to do. I mean, all the, everything in Beloit is, uh, is all baseball for me. Now, who are you working with as your hitting coach? Am I right? Is Matt Snyder with you guys? He is Matt Snyder. It's it's an interesting conversation with him. Uh, he's a, he's a great guy. He's obviously an old Miss guy. I kind of give him, you know, I kind of heckle him a little bit about us, them not beating us in a while. It's been a while since they beat us. So, but we get along great, man. He's he's a good guy. He's, he he knows a lot about the swing. And he brings a lot of energy to the table every day, and I love that about somebody, especially in this profession. If you don't have energy, you're not going to make it very far so he's always he's like a spark plug every day you show up to the field and he does he's really good at his job he gets all the hitters prepared every single night so i like him a lot you know i made the drive from chicago over to omaha i guess it was 2019 when we were there and i went through uh chicago went up to you know rockland dubuque and of course beloit right there it's on the the uh the state line of illinois and wisconsin that area I mean, it's, it's rolling hills, a lot of farmland. But here's what I remembered about being in June is that the weather, weather was absolutely perfect. And so I, I guess at the end of the day, you've got to suffer right now at 35 degrees, but knowing you're about two months away from having really good weather. Have, now, I have talked to several folks up there. I talked to Woody about this, of course, who's in Milwaukee. Have you found you a good fishing hole yet? <laughs> I, uh, I got a good lead on the fishing hole of the Gala team. Uh, found a spot. It's a big private lake, so he's he's gonna see if we can't get there. I, I hope that would be uh, that'd be big time for me because I'm a big fishing guy. I love fishing, so I have to give you something to do on the off day. Um, but I tell you something neat about where our stadium is. It's right on the side of the river of a big river, and there's ducks flying everywhere. And I catch myself during the game watching ducks more than I am the pitcher sometimes. So <laughs> I gotta pay attention a little bit better. <laughs> See, one of the things that always comes up is the idea of going to college, not going to college. I know it's different for everybody, but do you feel like now that your experiences in college baseball are are serving you well where you are and helping you get off to a good start? Of course. I uh, I told somebody the other day, I said, if I was a high school kid coming out of high school and I knew what I was getting into, I would not want to get go get a, a you know, go to professional baseball after high school. It's just tough, man. It's really tough. I mean, I went through four years at the best baseball program in the country, and I still had a lot of adjusting to do. So I can only imagine what it would be like for somebody coming out of high school. But, and plus, I mean, I wouldn't trade the memories I had in Mississippi State for any 
everything in this world. And uh, I'm glad I went there. And uh, you know what? It was, it was some of the best years of my life. I wouldn't trade it for the world. You talk about Mississippi State, and now, you know, you've left here now. And I used to get text messages all the time from, from guys like Kendall Graveman and, and Woody and those guys that they would be, you know, after a bullpen session and things of that nature, they'd be watching the game. They'd be, they'd be watching the dogs play. Have you had a chance to keep up with this year's team? No, I watch. I watch them a lot. I watch, you know, I watch as many games as I can. If not, I kind of keep up with it on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 neat. It's, it's, I hate it because you know I kind of get sad and depressed thinking about it. I'll never be able to play on Duke Noble again. But then again, I love watching them. I love you know seeing the atmosphere and how many people I love telling our kid, my my teammates how a great place it is, man. I'm like, guys, y'all don't understand. There's probably twelve thousand people there right now going crazy. But, you know, obviously it's been a rough year, but seeing you know, I think it was last weekend. I think there was 12,000 there one game. I'm like, man, we're not having a great year. And there's people still supporting. That says a lot about the program. You know, we think of you one of the best college hitters we've seen, one of the best players that Mississippi State's seen overall. One of the things I noticed uh, following you on Twitter is you had some comments about Jake Gotro one day, talking about how you wouldn't trust your swing to, to anybody more than you would him. How much did you learn in terms of hitting from Jake Gotro, and and how much trust do you have even now in him as a hitting coach? Man, I got more trust in Gotro than anybody in this world in my swing because I was with him for four years. And, uh, you know, I've had the same swing I've had since I was three or four years old, okay? I'm not going to change that. But the thing that that he helped me the most with was my approach to hitting. And – that was the biggest difference maker for me. I mean, the first day, I remember, like, the first couple of days I got to campus, we were hitting inside, and uh, I was I was doing really well. I was hitting the ball really well. And he told me, he said, you're going to have a really good chance to play as a freshman. And I'll never forget that opportunity he gave me, and I thank him for that because it helped me in my career. But, you know, I see people nowadays – Saying, oh, goat, goat's lost it, goat's this, goat's that. Now, goat, goat is there. Hitting baseball is very hard. I don't care who you are. He's not up there swinging the bat for you, but I promise you this everybody is well prepared before the game. That's that's one thing he takes pride in, is uh, making sure everybody's prepared for the game and, and knowing what they're going to see that night. And uh, I miss him like crazy. I take him all the time, you know, just trying to keep checking in on him stuff. But uh, it was a fun guy to be around in the dugout. And uh, like I said, he brings energy every day. So I think Dog Nation is in really good hands with Coach Gotro behind the hitters. Hey man, great to talk to you. You're at the, you're in Western Michigan right now. I guess you guys are playing the um, playing. I guess the Whitecaps. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. So, uh, we got. Uh, I think we got Ty Madden Sunday, so that'll be interesting rematch. Oh really? Okay, so you got that rematch with Ty Madden. Saw him twice last year. So now you get ready for That's right. see him, see him again. Hey, before we let That's you go, right. one of the things that people talk about in the minor leagues, have you had any good brawls and fights yet? Uh, we have not. <laughs> We've been lucky. We haven't had any. <laughs> not yet. All right, man. Hey, <laughs> great to talk with you. Proud of you, man. Thanks, guys. You'll be good. And that's Tanner Allen. Charlie, um, you know, Tanner, I still can't believe that Virginia pitched to him. I cannot believe with runners at second and third they pitched to him. Hitting the home run, 
winning a national championship. But you know, I wanted to talk to him. We talked about this before we we uh, we we reached out to Tanner. I just want to talk to him about his minor league experience, about Tanner Allen. And there's a guy who um, has a swing, and I'm glad to hear he really isn't changing that swing. Oh, I am too, because you see so many guys fall victim to this idea that they have to just wake up one day and be power hitters. And you look at a lot of these big-time power hitters, it takes time. The number one thing you have to do, though, is get the barrel of the bat to the ball. He's been doing that his whole life as well as anybody that's ever played at Mississippi State. I'm glad to see that's not changing. Tell you what, and, and like we talk with a lot of different guys, th- they keep up. They they follow. They know what's going on. And uh, he, uh, man, just a great part of the Mississippi State baseball history. And that conversation with Tanner Allen brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can find. And once again, when you go out to Texas, some into Oklahoma, but they've got a lot of golden chick restaurants throughout the Texas. And, of course, uh, they have that great Heartland catfish on the menu at Golden Chick. Charlie, hey, enjoyed it as always. Two pretty good conversations right there with Robert St. John and then Tanner Allen. A little bit different scope this week. You know, Robert St. John started at Mississippi State in 1979. A good Bulldog fan. Of course, he graduated to Southern Miss, and he's just a great ambassador for the state of Mississippi. And then Tanner Allen as well. All right, so now we get ready for this weekend. Big series on the road at Texas A&M. We'll have our Friday deep dig for you coming in on uh, coming tomorrow morning as we get you ready for the Aggies in Mississippi State. And so, hey, enjoyed it as always. Yeah, let's go win some games. Hey, uh, before we do that, I'd like to remind you, if you're coming to Startwell, Mississippi's college town, uh, go to startwell.org. Anytime you're coming to town, it's about to be graduation right now. And so, so many different events that are usually going on. You can find those great events at startwell.org and, We've talked about the community theater. We've talked about the community market. Charlie, one of the things that uh, is going on in the near future, May 18th, next week, sports talk with the uh, with Jeffrey Simmons. He's going to be the featured speaker for the Boys and Girls Club, their sports talk event, $50 per ticket. It's always a great event, and so that's May the 18th. And so go to startwell.org, get all the great information about uh, what's going on in Mississippi's college town. Yeah, again, we've got that community market coming up. Also going to have some things going on out at the refuge coming up. So go visit startvolt.org and check all those things out. And once again, thanks to all of our great sponsors, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Our good friends at Trax Plus. Trax Plus with four locations throughout the state of Mississippi. Startville, Mississippi, Scottish Town. Once again, go to startville.org. Country Pleasing Sausage. Go to countrypleasing.com. They can ship it to you. Heartland Catfish, producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly find. And then our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.